Welcome to the D Program Podcast. I am your host, Dexter Kearley, joined by my wife, Shannon Kearley. Hello. And uh, thank you for joining us today on the, well, it's a, I don't know when you're listening to this, uh, but it's a beautiful Monday morning here at the farm. Holiday holiday day. (laughs) It's a holiday. Holiday day. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it is uh, Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. So it's kind of an interesting. I, we could probably go on with that. I was about to say let's not let's not break that down too much For, because we got other stuff. Right, we got other stuff, but uh, that is a super interesting change that is currently culturally happening, and you get people on either side of it, which is you know some people are like no, you can't change history, and other people are like well yeah you got to acknowledge history. And so, I don't know, it's it's interesting. I'd like to go into that at some point in time. Future episode. Future episode, perhaps. So, let's. Uh, we'll go ahead and give you a little bit of an update on the farm. Currently, I've been running a chainsaw quite a bit, trying to clear up some fence lines. Uh, I've done a little hunting, made friends with some neighbors who had some uh, gear that they, in a way, thrust upon me. Thrust upon? Yeah. It was kind of funny. I was just sounds very dramatic. It it and it was a little dramatic in the moment. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where you have somebody that is giving you more than you're asking for, and so you know, it it kind of in a way makes you feel like like oh man, like almost indebted, you know? Yeah. But uh, so I got like a tree stand, and they had an extra feeder. I say extra. They had all this stuff, and they gave it to me as if it was extra, you know? And then the little tripod stand. Um, so that's been pretty cool. I've been sitting out there a little bit, looking at some deer. Hadn't shot at anything yet. I don't know if I'm going to shoot at anything, but if the opportunity presents itself and it's it's a good setup, I'll take a shot. So uh, we're planning on starting our raised flat, our raised beds for gardening, yeah, we're trying to just already get prepared for spring mm-hmm. because we're starting with nothing. So we want to go ahead and get the beds, well, the location picked out, the beds built, get our seeds ready. Mm-hmm. That way when spring rolls around, we're ready to Start go. Start working on our compost and our soil and all that stuff. So there's a lot to be done. Uh, I would go ahead and challenge uh, the listener to start preparing as well. Um, one of the things... That we really, with this podcast and with our overall brand, want to uh, reiterate is self-reliance. Not having to rely on the grocery store for your food. Not having to rely on others to produce your food. And one of the things we love about, like in Amarillo, we had our raised beds in our backyard. And they're really easy to construct and pretty easy to maintain. And the kids love them. And we got a lot of joy out of them. Plus... Whenever the crop hits, whenever uh, the peak production hits, you've got plenty of food to give away to other people, and it's a great way to make friends. So, anyway, uh, we're starting on our master plan, and maybe you can start on your master plan as well. Uh, quick little update. Uh, we did buy a trailer, a uh, RV. That was quite the experience. <laughs> <laughs> we are total noobs. Yeah, we are total noobs. And, you know, it's funny because my philosophy or approach to life has just been like you kind of float through it. You know, like 
as something floats down the river to you, you you either grab it or or you just kind of scoot it off to the side and let it go by. Shannon is more of the like I'm going to build a dam and I'm going to control the flow of water and I'm going to and I'm going to do as much research as possible. Yeah, and I'm not going to let anything flow by. It all has to like come to an abrupt stop and then has to uh, you know proceed from there. So the whole uh, trailer buying experience was was very interesting for a lot of different reasons. Some of the finances, some of the uh, just the process that we were unfamiliar with. You know, like we went out there to go pick it up, and so we'll buy it slash pick it up, and it turns out it's like no, we need we actually need it now for a week to make sure everything works on it and make sure everything's operating properly. It's a so. lot of things that. Other people who have done this would probably say, duh, mm-hmm. but we've just never done this. We don't know anything about it. So, so it's like our drive there, our drive back, our drive there. Uh, I think when we went to go pick it up, it took us, or it took, Several it was, hours yeah, sure. it was like five hours that we were at this place. Anyway, it all worked out. We got it here. We got it in a spot. Um, so that, that was kind of a fun so it's our it's our guest quarters. Uh, yes, those those are the the guest quarters. Uh, so living in a one bedroom farmhouse, as you can imagine, there's not much room for friends and family. So we uh, we uh, did a little artificial supplementation of uh, square footage. So and I'm really excited about it. It's, I am too. It's, it's a, a cool, nice little trailer. Yeah, it's a cool little trailer. It's the first one we've ever owned and. Uh, I've, you know, back in the day did some Sprinter van, you know, we converted a little Sprinter van and we're driving around doing camping out of that. But this is a, uh, a little bit more, I wouldn't say adult, maybe mature, mature. Yeah. You know, like now we've got, well, cause all, we got kids. And yeah. So it's going to be a little bit easier. Uh, we're hoping to eventually be pulling it around to like some lakes and rivers and yeah. do some kayaking, maybe slash mountain biking and stuff. So. Anywho, now uh, a quick Shannon wanted, uh, you know, maybe we'll just start doing this in every intro, like a little uh, Shannon knowledge drop. So, but she actually wants to fix her knowledge drop from last episode. Well, it just bothered me because a couple days ago we recorded an intro to the last episode we put out. So the Fight Club intro. And I talked about morphology and... And I don't remember verbatim what I said. I just know I kept saying that it was like the study of meaning. And then later I was thinking about it and that really bothered me. Because like the study of meaning would be semantics. Mm. But what I mean when I say meaning on a morphological level is <laughs> like the the smallest minimal unit of meaning. So... It's how words kind of structurally get their meaning, if that makes sense. So dog would be considered a morpheme. It has its meaning. It is an animal with four legs, and you know, that it's a dog. Fur, canines, teeth. But now, well, that's if I say dog. Right. Now, what if I say dogs? What does that mean? Are you asking me? Well, yeah. Are you asking the listener? Well, yeah. Was that like a rhetorical? Well, it's just that that S... Now it means multiple dogs, yes, which means maybe multiple breeds or multiple well, and so ages and that S is also considered a morpheme because it by itself carries meaning. Mm. So that meaning for that specific S is plural. 
like morphology is more like an equation. Well, it's like or, the or internal a, structure of the words. Yeah, so like an equational analysis of a word itself. So Kinda, it's like, it's a very structural, like building block type of right thing. So I just it really bothered me when I said meaning, and I don't mean like semantic meaning necessarily. Like what do, what do all of these words mean? But more so, how do these words structurally come together to mean what they mean, and what do those parts of the words mean and how do they connect how do these minimal units of meaning connect together to construct words what, what and was words? the what was the little pyramid you told me the other night you start with morphemes well which i i think i said this on the last intro you i mean if you wanted to start with phonetics probably that would be the smallest yeah right phonetics phonetics and then phonology then morphology then semantics then syntax then pragmatics right so you'd start at the very very bottom just what is a sound mm. you know how do you study sound then how do these sounds connect so interesting let's just take a just a quick detour real quick through phonology okay because how do sounds connect because each language will differ in how sounds connect right so we each, first of all, have a different phonetic inventory. That's why languages can just sound so different. Not every language has the same inventory. They all will have different sounds. Then they have different phonetic constraints. And that's really how different languages sound so different. And that's like uh, atomically or, or anatomically. I don't know what you mean. Like no, that's this based would off be... of the structure of the human like, this one's not. So that's more phonetics. Like, what can we physically say? But phonology is now, like, more mental. Mm. What do each language, uh, like, what does each language allow? So in English, if I say, which one sounds more correct? If I say, blick, benick, and bamick, which one sounds like English? Probably the blick. Blick. Why? Because the BL is... Uh, Common? Yeah. Combination. Do we ever say Bamik? No. No. I mean, we don't allow B&M next to each other. Yeah, there's a tractor that's going by. Okay. So it's just, it's those things that make up phonology. It's like those, in English, B&M cannot start a word together. Mm. So like in, I know I've talked about, talked to this, talked to you about this before, but like pterodactyl, there's a P. Well, in Greek, you say pterodactyl. It's just in English, we're like, uh... What? Yeah, no, we're not gonna no, no, I'm not going to do that. Cut, cut the P out. Right. But other languages still say the P. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can't physiologically say it. It's a mental constraint. We look at it and we're like, pterodactyl, as opposed to just pterodactyl. Right. So that's kind of fun. So then those are the different individual building blocks to make up sounds. Then you take those sounds and connect them into morphemes. So... Now they carry meaning. Like I said, an S carries meaning. I-N-G carries meaning. Right, and it's interesting. So you can connect these together to now form new meanings. Right, which you do naturally. Yeah. Yeah, and then grammar or education school tries to then break it down into like, okay, I-N-G. What does that mean? It means you're, you're... Progressive. You're doing something. You're doing something, right? And then so you're like, oh, okay, I-N-G. You know, and then you get kids making these weird mistakes with spelling and 
stuff because they're like, okay, well, I need to modify this word in this way. Anyway, okay. Yeah, is that your... Uh... Yeah, just I didn't want people to walk away thinking that morphology was just meaning. Right, Because right. that's semantics. It's more the internal structure of words and how those structures are creating the, their meaning. the meaning of the building blocks that create the word. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant by meaning. Yeah. Uh, so would that be extrinsic or intrinsic meaning? Intrinsic, right? I mean, it's stuff that we do... Without even thinking about it, every I mean, whenever we talk, we go through an intense process of making these words. Right. We okay. just don't even know it. Yeah, that, and that's probably a stupid question anyway. All right, here we go. So if you are looking to support this podcast, the best way to support it is to share the word. So we'll make a uh, an Instagram post uh, if you share that to your story or something. Just... Just a way to get people directed in our direction uh, would be very beneficial. If if you have a friend who you're like, man, you know, like, that seems down their road. Like, if they're hunters. Share it with people. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Share it with people. Um, check out our website. We're kind of. It's in the works. Yeah, we're kind of. Uh, augmenting it daily, kind of working through, trying to make it look a little bit better up until. You know, really now, uh, it's just been me working on the the website, which I am not the most technically savvy, uh, aesthetically oriented individual. So most of my website up to this point has been more function, less form. It's just how can I just get out with the least amount of effort? Uh, now we're actually trying to put a little bit more effort into it and, and I'm seeing it, Shannon's, I think already seen it as more of like an expression, you know, I've never really seen it as an expression before this. So, uh, we're trying to express ourselves better through our website. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. We're yeah. figuring it out. So check that out, uh, and let us know what you think, you know, click around and that really, you know, I guess helps us out. I don't. Uh, necessarily. Any kind of feedback is helpful. And oh, no, the feedback. The feedback, helpful. for sure. I was just saying clicking around. Oh, yeah. Right. But uh, also, I'll have a new short story by the time that this episode posts. I'm tweaking, like, one last paragraph that was kind of bothering me. But other than that, it's pretty much finished. Shannon will have to edit it. Probably better than she edited the last one because I got a, uh, a, a pretty scathing text message critique of some of the grammar in it, which... Looking at some of the things that I was critiqued on, I'm not super sure that they need to be corrected. I think some of it's stylistic that I did on purpose. So I have not looked at them yet, so I have to go judge. But, but anyway, I'm not perfect. I miss things. Yeah, nobody's perfect. But anyway, so there's a new short story. Hopefully, you read that and uh, maybe it makes you makes you think or riles you up a little bit. And then uh, we're also explore. Oh, check out our shop. We still have some hats and some uh, T-shirts from the Panhandle Primate, uh, you know, days. You can consider it vintage. Vintage. So check it out. It, I like. I still like the design and everything. Yeah, it's on still it. it's cool shirts cool. and hats. So, yeah. Uh, but let us know. You know, check out the site. And then, uh, if you are interested in supporting the podcast or have any ideas through which we should support the podcast. Let us know. We're, we're definitely trying to grow this thing and get it bigger and uh, funding coming in will 
uh, expedite. Our yeah, we want to figure out how to do that. We don't necessarily want to just run ads, but we're not exactly sure other routes. We're so. not necessarily opposed to running ads. It would just be the only thing that we would want to run ads over stuff that fits the same brand, yeah, you know? We so, yeah. Chill. Yeah, so we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like. But anyway, if you have any ideas, hit us up and let us know. With all of that being said, let's start the show. Yeah. <laughs> what gives you the right? Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. This can't be happening, man. This isn't happening. Let's see it. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? So stop melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. I'm the best chance you've got. And we're rolling. Okay. So for this episode, I kind of wanted to touch on binary oppositions. It's something that I necessarily hadn't thought of before I went to grad school. Hadn't necessarily thought of it. Yeah, I know. I kind of was... Well, it's like I'm thinking what I'm trying to say as I'm speaking. You yeah. Know? I hadn't necessarily thought of this until grad school, and then I started explicitly learning about it. Well, and I would say this, once you started learning about it, it connected a lot of dots for me. Yeah, it's because it's everywhere, and I feel like... On some hand, people do notice it, but no one just typically dives into it unless you have a reason to dive into it. So I just thought it was very relevant to today's society. I think it's really important to learn about, and I think it's just really fun and fascinating as well. So to begin, like, what is binary opposition? What do we mean when we say that? Well, binaries, two things opposing each other in meaning, right? So I think on one level... We're all conscious of like good versus evil or even whenever we see advertising like this product versus this product or in books, hero versus villain. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of those types of examples that I think are fairly. It's almost it's almost uh, archetypal. Yeah. Yeah. And we all know that we all can say, okay, like that, especially in movies in any kind of plot. There's usually like good versus bad, hero versus villain, whatever the two sides are. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of like what we're discussing. We're just going to take that more into like a societal level. What does that look like outside of a movie and actually in society? Right. Well, and like how much of it is subconsciously affecting our day to day. Yeah, you everything know? we do. So I wanted to give a quick history because whenever we say binary oppositions, it does have a history to it. I think a lot of this kind of stuff is so fascinating because it's so rich. There's so much to it. There's so many other people who have also studied this. So I won't go into too much detail if this is something that's interesting to you there's a lot of really good youtube videos out there that will kind of give you a more in-depth history to these people and these ideas so just know that what i'm saying is by no means i mean it's just a just a quick history barely touching the surface of it 
So we'll begin with Ferdinand de Saussure. He was he was actually a huge linguist as well. He's pretty well known for kind of revolutionizing what we think about language. And he was also a theorist slash philosopher. And he was active in a time that's considered structuralism. Not that that necessarily matters. But he saw language as a binary code. So when we have off versus on, dark versus light, good versus bad, that these are, that it's it's a way of understanding language. That he, we cannot... He was, he was 1800s, correct? Yes, he was late 1800s. So we need to know what off means so that we can know what on means. We need to know what bad is so that we can know what good is. Well, and one of the things I've heard a lot of people use is they say... Like, you wouldn't be able to see the dark without the light. You know, yeah. people use that as, like, consolation. So he stuff. saw it as, like, a complementary structure. In language, especially. I'm not talking, like, necessarily philosophically. But for language, we need to know what these other words mean so that we can know what other words don't mean. Right. Okay? So that was what he kind of wrote down about it. Then in the 1900s comes Derrida... And a few other theorists, but they're considered post-structuralists. So they saw what Susser was talking about, and but they also said, yeah, it's not quite that simple, though. Because when you have binaries, one typically dominates the other. So one will always have more favor than the other. Mm-hmm. Which, again, if when you're considering movies and books, of course, like good always wins, right? Not always. That's usually what people are rooting for. Yeah. Unless they're subverting. Right, right. Um, So you have to, one dominates, and who cares, right? Well, and I think this is one of the things that uh, modern-day directors and writers really play with. Like, for instance, The Joker, uh, the newest one with, uh, well, actually, I mean, you could even go with The Dark Knight. He's this character that is obviously bad, but especially in the newest one with Joaquin Phoenix, it tells the story to a, to a way where you're saying, is he the evil one or is society the evil thing that is then causing him to become an evil Yeah, thing? so that's kind of where Derrida comes in with post-structuralism, is he says we need to deconstruct these binaries. And basically like what you're talking about would be what he kind of wanted to do. So instead of looking at black versus white, what what is the gray area we're missing? Mm. Let's deconstruct black and white to understand what we're why they're black and white, why we're not discussing the gray and what that means. Right. So yes, I think the Joker's a really good example, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So all of that, like I said, that was a very, very quick history. But I think what a lot of people, myself included before I studied it, would say or would think is like, okay, so what? We have good versus bad. What what does it affect? Why does that matter? And so I want to talk about post-colonialism because I think that's a huge example of how binaries aren't harmless. And we're not really taught about post-colonialism. Like I, thinking back to high school and uh, even in like the big, the popular culture, you know, we're taught about Gandhi and uh, Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King. I mean, but barely. Like, barely, I don't though. remember really learning about Nelson Mandela in high school. Like, it, I don't think it was till later when I learned about him. I don't I know. Mean, Apartheid, I feel like 
I feel like we learned about apartheid and I feel like I briefly learned about it, but we didn't study yeah. it. But we definitely didn't study the post-colonial. Like I think a lot of times the uh, system will highlight the like revolution, but it won't talk about the structures that put colonialism well, in place. Maybe like in the, first the revolutionary. Place. It will talk about the revolutionary, oh, yeah. but it won't talk about the revolution. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, so it's like we're gonna highlight Gandhi, we're gonna highlight Martin Luther King, but we're not gonna talk about the entire movement, the entire revolution that they were just kind of riding the tide yeah. of, not to diminish their their role in it. Well, but. and going off of this, even though it's a bit of a tangent, it still relates. You know, in high school, everyone learns Shakespeare because he is a great you know, a literary giant. And he is. He is extremely talented. I'm not opposed to people learning about him. But then it's also extremely Eurocentric to think that he is the only great author out there. Yeah, or that he was the best. Or that Yeah, he, when that there's he... so many other authors that were silenced, even still to today, I mean, they're still silenced. And they, I mean, to me, I've read some incredible authors that rival Shakespeare, and they're not going to get learned about i mean they might be caribbean mm -hmm. you know so why why would we why are we not studying them in school right so our literary canon is extremely white well i mean and, i don't and, i'm trying to think narrow like, <laughs> yeah well and and elite i mean what what's interesting is shakespeare probably at the beginning of his career was not a rich man, right? I mean, they, they don't really know a ton about him. They don't know a ton about him. But I don't, he probably yeah. was, was more on the lower end until his plays really hit and he became really, you know, he probably died a little bit richer, you know? Yeah. But it's interesting because it's always through this lens of elite, you know, of uh, fine art, right? It's not even like Van Gogh, you know? He was a poor dude who chopped off his ear and was kind of mentally, you know more like closer to like a homeless dude than anything else. But he's now fine art. It's now expensive. Now art. he's considered now he's considered yeah. sophisticated and but at the time he probably wasn't, you know? Well and so again, just to bring this back, because this does all relate. So when we're talking about colonialism, I guess just back it up from post colonialism to colonialism colonialism to just for a quick second. Because whenever Europe was trying to colonize other nations. They had to have a reason to do so. They had to have a reason for people to support them. So it wasn't just like, well, we're just going to go conquer these other nations and y'all better support it. I mean, that doesn't work out super well. So it's like, well, we're spreading Christianity. Mm -hmm. These people are savages and uneducated. They need us. And so they kind of spread this narrative, and that's how they could well, and see, control and, that, and that people plays could into, support it. That plays into it. With saved and unsaved. Well, yeah. So then... Salvation and non... With this idea of, like, they need help, they're savages, you get this idea of black versus white, English speaker versus non-English speaker, civilized versus savage, Christian versus heathen, sinner, mm -hmm. um, and then, like, Pagan. us versus other. And that's a really big one. It's like, I've even heard people say there's the West and then there's the rest. Well, and you know what's interesting, too, about it is the us grew beforehand. And I don't know, this. some of this is conjecture, but who who you would say we are, right? We, it's well, it's my town. That's my we, 
right? Yeah. Or it's my province or it's my, you know, community. And then once this hit, once this huge colonial power, which is basically just a corporation moving in and extracting resources, well, now I somehow identify with this state or this uh, larger. And part of that, what you're just talking about, is part of the binary narrative. Because I wish I could draw this. There's basically two columns. So put, um, let's see, in one column it would be white, English speaker, Christian, civilized, educated. The other column would be black, non-English speaker, savage, uncivilized, heathen. Right. Pagan. Pagan. Yeah, I couldn't think of a good word for that. Pagan. Um, So the problem is that we now view things in columns. So if we see someone as uneducated, we're now associating with them with all these other words in one of those columns. Right. Or if we see someone in another column, we're going to associate them with all of these other things. Mm-hmm. And that's where it can be really, really harmful for two things. One, because of the people it's affecting. Because you're now considering people to be savages just because they don't speak English. Yeah, it's it's almost uh, it's literally the judge a book by its cover. Yeah, it it's literally like I see this person and now I'm going to ascribe to them who they are before I even hear a word yeah. out of their mouth. So it hurts those people, but then it also hurts you because now you're only thinking of things in black and white. So you're missing out on. So much. A lot of the only. nuances. Yeah. And so I just hope that that can get through to people. It's it's the idea of thinking about things in columns. Well, and to uh, slightly bring it for a metaphor, we've been watching a bunch with the boys, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too. And uh, I don't know if, you, if the listener is familiar with this or not, but essentially uh, after the first movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, this dude's a machine just keeps going crazy and it starts creating life and it creates all this like food life, basically these animals that are food. And in the second movie, this guy paints them as evil. All of these, all of these uh, animals are monsters and they're there to kill you, you know? So with that narrative in mind, they go to destroy the island. But then as they're on the island, a lot of these other characters start to realize that that narrative isn't true. These things aren't evil. These things are just animals. They just don't fit into they, yeah, a binary, yeah, a and, clear-cut binary. And just because they show aggression towards you does not mean that they are evil. That just means that they are normal. I have another really good example, and I was going to save it for later, but I think I'll just go and do it now because I think it's a really good example. And it's Harry Potter. Mm. Because, of course, you get the classic good versus evil type binaries. But more so, you have muggles versus wizards. Mm-hmm. And what is Harry Potter? He's half muggle? Or no, he's not. No, he's uh, not. Voldemort. Oh, yeah. And, like, Hermione is a mug or a half. She's full. She's a she's full a muggle. She's a half blood. No. She's, she's full. She's full muggle. Look it up. She's not a full muggle. Look it up. She's a full muggle. Dude, did I just out Harry Potter Shannon? It's been a long time since I've read the book, okay? Uh, yeah. There, I think that there are some characters. Let's see. Maybe. Hope, let's see. Who is born to muggles. Yeah. Born of muggles. Yeah, so she, she's still considered just like a, a how. I mean, she's not fully. She's a wizard, 
but she's not a muggle. Like she's not a muggle. She, but she, she's not a full blood. Right. She's yeah. not she's not she's even not a half blood. blood though. Well, I don't know what you'd call that then. I think both of her parents were muggles. Yes, but I don't know what the name for that is. I I, they call her like dirty and Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, know. they they which is interesting then because Voldemort himself is a half blood. Yeah, but prince. he only wants wizards to be pure blood wizards. Right. So he wants the only people who can come into the wizarding world to be pure blood wizards. There is no room for nuance. It is either you are full blood or you're a muggle. The end. But how would that shape the wizarding world and who is that hurting? Mm-hmm. And then, so then we get the idea of good versus bad and who is good and who's versus who's bad and why. Well, see, and then you have like the, the Weasleys or the Weasley dad who like is a full-blooded mug or a full-blooded wizard, but he's like, loves the muggle stuff. He loves the muggle stuff. He's like, Oh no, this is cool. This is fun. This is, you know, he researches it. So you would be denying him this entire world of, uh, when you would just be denying, I mean, Hermione, entrance right. to the wizarding world, even though she is a wizard. Mm-hmm. So it gets really difficult to pick and choose who gets to do what. Well, and I mean, to piggyback on that, that's what leads to fascism. Yeah. Fascism is, uh, thrives in instances where lines are in the sand. Yeah. You know, even think back to playing on the playground as a kid. Anytime somebody throws down the law, well, that's fascism. You know, you're going to have factions that are against each other. Yeah. So I think Harry Potter's a good example of kind of this subversion of like, well, look what happens with these binaries when someone tries to instill these like clear binaries into a world. Right. And you get Voldemort. Mm -hmm. I mean, then you're denying a lot of people their rights. Right. Right. And so, of course, we don't typically think of Harry Potter as a post-colonial text, but... Almost everything is yeah. probably a post-colonial yeah. text, in a sense. Because, and that's what I think is really interesting. Uh, what I've liked about you going and taking these classes and, and working through some of this stuff is it's helped me to define a lot of my angst that I gr- have grown up with. Because, in a lot of ways, I have been colonized, well, we all grow up think we're all growing like up being mom- taught to think. Things. Yes, yes, it, it's like we are all growing up within a structure. And if and if you're diverging out of that structure, then you're gonna feel the structure pulling you back. Now, I'm not saying that I'm a revolutionary or anything like that, but I'm not just, yet. Not yet. I'm just saying, as far as uh, it's given me a a perspective and I think a healthy respect towards some of these things because it's like if if you are developing in a certain way and you have any sort of divergent thought, you're going to feel alienated by the, by the institution. Because we've been conditioned to think things. Right. And I don't, I feel like that saying is now almost considered conspiratorial. Like we're being conditioned, but no, I mean, everybody in the world, no matter where you were born is growing up in a certain structure and they're going to grow up thinking certain things. So that's just how life is. I've been reading, um, Michael Malice's, uh, the anarchist handbook and he has different, uh, authors in there. And, uh, one of the authors Ooh, I'm going blank on her name right now. She's like, Emma, Emma Goldman. That's what, sorry. Uh, one of the things, so I kind of started looking into her a little bit and what was interesting is she was using propaganda, 
but not and not in a negative sense. She was saying, yes, the goal is to put out propaganda. It's just what are you promoting with the propaganda? And so that it, it was interesting to me whenever I was hearing her espouse that and thinking about it because we are being conditioned. No matter what you're doing, every single day, the people that Im- immediately surround you, uh, your coworkers, uh, everybody you come in contact with is conditioning you in a certain degree, right? That's not a bad thing, or it doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? It's not good or bad. There's there's not a binary in this, but there is uh, cultivating you in one direction or the other, right? In a more healthy direction or a less healthy direction. And so whenever I was thinking about this, is like, okay, what are some other ways that we get conditioned? Well, fitness, right? You condition your body in order to be able to do a task. So if you're wanting to run a certain distance, you have to condition your body. And then the product out of that is that you can now run, right? I think the danger with colonialism uh, is that they condition your thought to do less. They condition you to believe less in yourself. They, they condition you to think that you have less power oh, and less control. If you want to go read some good colonial texts, I mean, yes, like the mental hegemony, mental coercion. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good authors. Franz Fanon is one that specifically talks about that. That it's not just that you are being held captive, but like your mind is being held captive. You are considered to be lesser. You are the other. And then you start to you start to internalize that and, and start to believe that about And then how can you break out of that structure when you think that you can't? Right. I mean, it's it's abuse. Like it's like emotional and mental. It's a cage. Abuse. It's a, it's literally a matrix style cage yes. that they're putting your mind in. Yes. So. That was kind of, I guess, a long-winded way to just talk about like how these things exist in post-colonialism, and they still play out today. So still, in post-colonial places, they're still struggling, str- struggling with these binaries and what's considered to be acceptable and not acceptable. Talk about uh, homeboy down in the Caribbean with the with his language. Derek Walcott. Well, he's one of the authors that I said r- rivals Shakespeare. Right. He has a play called Pantomime, and it is top-notch writing. Like, it is good. But with him and a lot of other, specifically writers, struggle with this idea of language. Whose language are they speaking? Because, again, as we talked about, we have English versus not English in these binaries. Mm-hmm. But for them... It's still hard for them because they see English as the language of the oppressor, mm. and it's something that was pushed onto them. They were forced to speak English, or else, I mean, they would be expelled from school or sent home, you know, or, or just like failed, like or you would like fail made school. fun of, or yeah, you know. Um, so they would get in trouble if they did not speak English. So a lot of them now speak English, and they struggle with it like who whose language are they speaking is it their language and so Derek Walcott Walcott is an author who says English is just as much mine as it is anybody else's right he kind of he kind of he owns control of it he says I mean I no longer speak Swahili like even if I'm of African descent that's not who I am 
I grew up in the Caribbean now speaking English. Uh-huh. So why should I now have to learn another language whenever this is who I am? Shakespeare is someone I looked up to, and it's mine. Uh-huh. But other people judge him and say, no, this is, you are now acting like the oppressor. This is not your language. This is not your heritage. And so there's still these um, battles. Mm. I mean, they're still going on today of like what's considered right. How do you break out of this colonial structure? And they, it's still there. And they don't even know what to do about it. So it's just a really interesting. There's a lot of really interesting lines that people don't know where well, they it, stand on them. It, it's kind of int- It's one of those things that's funny because I grew up watching uh, MTV a lot. I mean, that was... Whenever I got home from school, I rode the bus home, and then I was by myself from whatever time you get out of school. I'd probably get home about 3.30 or whatever, and I would watch, like, Total Request Live, uh, and then I would watch, you know, music videos all the way up until whenever my parents got home or whenever I decided to go outside and play with my friends or whatever. And so it's super interesting because sometimes I think back on that, and I... I'm thinking about all of the commercials that I set through where I'm just basically giving these uh, advertisers and corporate entities access to my mind, right? These uh, clinically trained uh, manipulators. Well, like advertisers, they know what they're doing. I mean, anybody who's studying any kind of advertising. And they probably had, they probably knew exactly who I was better than I knew who I was, you know? Well, and I think, again, it's but, how we were talking about being conditioned. Right. But see, what I was going to say is, at the same time, I learned, I ingested that information, and I was was not necessarily a victim of it. I can use that now to to rewrite the script as, yeah. as a rapper would so say. And so now, and I'm about to move into, like, current day society and how the binaries play into that but just as we talk about it i don't think the answer has to be well go outside and protest everything and revolutionize the world or go sit in the middle of the woods and not ingest anything yeah i mean these things exist they are what they are the best thing you can do about it is be aware of them be aware how they affect people and be aware of why you think what you think i'm trying to remember who the theorist is but essentially, the theorists—I can't remember what they what their name was—but the the proposition was that there has to be this dominator arm, oh, so yeah. that there can then be flurries of uh, non-dominator culture out of yeah. it. Some so so like almost that the best art is going to come from subcultures. So in order for there to be subcultures, there has to be a dominant culture. Mm. I can't yeah. remember who the who the 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 theorist was. I don't necessarily agree Is with that. I think on that. I think no matter what, there's going to be a uh, dominant culture. It doesn't necessarily have to be a dominator culture. Yeah. So, but continue. Sorry. Um. Okay. Well, I was just saying, was you know, kind of like Derrida was saying, we all favor one over the other. And so, again, as we talk about today's society, it's just be mindful of what you favor over the other one. And we're all going to naturally probably favor one over the other. That's just normal. But why do you favor one over the other? So in today's society, 
we have left versus right. I mean, we have a huge binary political system that's pretty blatant and in your face. We have male versus female, straight versus gay, Western versus non-Western, educated, uneducated. I'd almost say elite versus average. That's becoming like Mm -hmm. a very, very new one. I don't think it's new, but I think it's becoming more and more blatant. Yeah, this no, elite definitely. versus everyone else. Well, and, and, and it's it's almost um, it's being weaponized. So there are even people who are not elite. And this is one of the things I would say that the Trump campaign was really bad about. You have these individuals saying, you know, like let's keep America the exact same way it was, even though America the way it was left them in the dust. Yeah, you know. So it has them almost advocating for a system that destroyed their family. Yeah. Because they consider themselves to be part of this, you know, elite. Yeah. So then I think another one, I said educated versus uneducated. I think going along that line, we often think of like proper English versus broken English or any other kind of slang English, which again, this is one that's completely arbitrary. There is there is no proper English. Hate to break it to everybody. But again, we have these columns. And so if we hear someone talking either in slang or broken English, we're automatically placing them in this other column, typically saying, well, you're uneducated. I mean, I've been screenshotting every time someone makes a grammatical like comment on the internet. So if someone just happens to misspell a word or uses the wrong your or just anything like that, and the people that comment saying, oh, well, you know, you should have probably gone to middle school, or, oh, yeah, well, you obviously don't know much because you misspelled this word. So, like, you are uneducated because you are not speaking my version of English. So we're placing people in these columns. That becomes even more so when we're talking about race. I mean, you have African-American vernacular English, Ebonics, And so now we have a race divide in there as well. So it's like now if we're going to place you in a column of you're black, you don't speak proper English, now I'm going to assume you're uneducated and uncivilized. You know, so back to the civilized versus savage binary, we can see how it very clearly begins to mirror colonialism, post-colonialist narratives and how it holds things in its place. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, and that's that's one of the things that I was gonna that I laugh about. You know, you were saying that the binary ends up um, denying individuals certain things. And so there there is a large portion of what I would say is the Western world, which will never get the benefits of rap or, you know, hip hop or, you know, uh, whatever you however you want to define it. I don't exactly know. Cause it's not, it's now exploded out of the, like the black community in America. And now it's a worldwide phenomena, but I think it largely starts in oppressed areas. That's what almost gives you the, the anger and the perspective to be able to say some of these things. And one of the things that I've gained from, you know, listening to rap my whole life and stuff is, they that when they they say things very smart like very insightful 
very um it's poetry it is poetry and and if you hear it if you take it for surface value right these are the words and this is the only thing that they're saying and you don't use some of these higher level higher level literary techniques like understanding um irony and poetic justice and context and all these things you miss these huge uh, like a van gogh or a mona lisa or whatever you miss these pieces of art that are able to help you come to terms with your own culture right i mean we like to say well this is them this is me right this is they speak this way so i speak this way so we are now different and we do not you know meet up but if you do that you're gonna miss out on genius you're going you're going to uh when you're only looking for things in one column so only things from this column can be geniuses well and what i would you're excluding a large one of of one of the things that you that you've brought up that is very interesting is how uh is it avl american african-american oh aave aave is very uh, similar and congruent to like Southern English. Oh yeah, they've got a lot of overlapping and so features. If you come up to, especially down in this area, you might walk up to what appears to be a poor white uh, farmer who is dirty and does not speak prop quote unquote proper English. Speaks very Southern, almost a broken English. But it's a way of communicating. It's very well, and it's still extremely systematic. These right, are not random. Right, that's what mistakes. I was going to say. Is, They're not mistakes. Is you can't just go in and you can fake conjugate it. or like not. You can diagram these sentences. Right. And, that's what I want to get across to people. So, but but my point is, some of these people that look like they're, you know, you may be uh, coming from Dallas or from a metropolitan area, and you look at them and you say, "Well, that's a poor." farmer backwoods you're putting them in another column you put them into a column and you might come to find out that they actually have their master's degree and that they're millionaires sitting on sitting on hundreds of acres hundreds and maybe even a thousand maybe thousands of acres and they're running like a business and And they're they're, and they're smart and they're interesting and they're capable and they're dynamic you may say that you think that they're oh these are probably climate change denying blah 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 whenever you actually dig a little bit they've been running an organic farm and an organic operation and planting their own food and, not yeah. using as much plastic so it's it's one of those things that i think to to maybe loop back around i went on a little bit of a tangent there i'm sorry but if you if you buy into these these narratives these binary narratives you're going to miss out on these colorful strokes that that really create the culture that we've all come to love. Yeah, and I think that that's where it becomes extremely relevant for today is, of course, politics. Again, we talked about how it was just left versus right. It's it's a binary system. But within that, I haven't seen it this emphasized as a binary in a very long time. It's being used. Yeah, that now if someone says that they are left it means that you are now pro-vaccination mandate you are pro-choice 
you are open border, you know, all of these things. And if you're right, you're a conspiracy theorist, you're anti-vaccine, you're anti-immigrant, mm-hmm. anti-abortion, whatever. And there is no room for nuance. Well, and then, but you then fit in. Oops. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'll hold it. I got it. What did you do? I got it. Sorry. I got passionate. I had she to move my pa- hands that, around. That's the thing. I, I'm, I'm on Shannon all the time. We need to get better mic stands just because you can't be trusted. I'm with, sorry. With I get worked up stands. when I'm talking about this. <laughs> but, but we have two columns. Right, right, right. And well, in one column, it's these people. And another column, these, it's these people. Although it's never, it never works out like that. I do not fit into one column. Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed when you said this to me the other day, uh, when we sort of in preparation of this episode, you know, you kind of pitched it out there and then, uh, I guess it's probably been about a week that we've been bouncing ideas off each other and you bounce this idea off and it was like instantly, as soon as you said it, it, it was per, you know, crystal clear. The narr- the mainstream media, these large narrative generating machines, they've been pushing things that are non-binary as binary and then things that are largely binary as non-binary go ahead well i think before we go further we should break this down yes because i don't think you can discuss binaries without discussing gender binary right because that is a huge relevant topic and this is like butler right is did butler generate judith butler is the or the author who wrote the text that is largely influential or like the the foundational text for non-binary. Mm-hmm. And what she said is that, again, male and female does not come in two columns. So let's think of male being blue, short hair, masculine, big muscles, certain type of clothing, engineer, hard worker. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm just listing stereotypes. Right side, you have a girl, long, pretty hair, slim waist, Makeup, big boobs, maybe a ballerina. Big lips. Yeah. Big butt. (laughs) All of that. Little waist. Um, You know, you're going to go be a cook or a mom. And those are your two columns. Mm -hmm. You have male and female. Right. And so Judith Butler comes along and says, well, gender is not binary. Meaning you can be a girl and like short hair and like woodworking. You can be a man and want to do theater or dancing, that there are not just two columns. So picture it as there's 50 columns. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's at the top, male and female, is at the top of each column. But within those columns, you can have a a completely different selection of what you put in them. Well, and and I think, and I don't know, I haven't read Judith Butler. But to me, it, it seems like a bastardization of her theory but that's what usually happens. That's <laughs> what usually happens. But what, what I think is interesting is what she was saying there is very true. If you do not, it does not make you straight dating girls. Right? I mean, I was just talking to somebody earlier this week and they were saying that their sister or somebody that they were related to had just gotten a divorce divorced a guy that she had been with for 10 years because he was gay. It was like, you know, getting married did not make him straight. Yeah. You know? Um, But even to go a a little bit of a further down the line, like your, your point about woodworking, 
your point about uh, interests and likes, none of those things are actually tied to gender. None yeah, of they're, them they're societal constructions. Yes, it, like football. That's not tied to gender. Like, let's say soccer, right? A girl can kick a ball and like it, and a guy can kick a ball and like it. Yeah. So what happens typically, like you were saying, a bastardization, what happens with a lot of this type of stuff is theorists write extensively about it, and they use their own terminology. So she did, like, um, gender nonconforming, gender nonbinary. Those then get taken out of context. People who have not read the book, and all of a sudden we get words like gender nonbinary being tossed around on the media, and you have some people who are like, well, how can there be more than two genders? It's male and female. Or, yeah, I'm a gender non-binary. I'm fluid. I'm whatever gender I want to be. Which, I mean, isn't necessarily wrong. But it's like both sides then, or a lot of people then hear it, and they don't actually know what they're saying. Well, but I think think the problem is that two things get conflated. Biological gender. Well, sex. And then society, like societal gender, right? Like those two things are now conflated. To where you do have a person who is correct in saying, well, I I am not. I'm not what society defines me as. Well, and I mean, if a girl chooses to wear jeans and a button-down shirt, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something that's kind of manly. Mm -hmm. Does that make her any less of a woman? I mean, like, why why do we see that as bad? Or if or, she wears short hair, and, and you could even take it a step further and say, is there a way of making her less of a woman? Yeah, right? I mean, like, society says there is right, but in reality, in biological terms, there yeah. is really no way of making her less of a woman. And so that's kind of what Judith Butler was saying: is there's so many different ways to be a man, and so many different ways to be a woman. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not binary. It's not these two simple columns to where, hey, if you like something in this column, then now you're no longer this person. I mean, it's just. And so the nuance of her theory is worth engaging with. Yes. Right? The nuance of that. And again, I think it's really important to ask those questions of why does it bother me if I see a guy wearing makeup? And now that's a whole nother topic you have a lot of performativity and other things to discuss with that but i mean at the heart of it why does it bother me if a girl wears her hair really short why does it bother me if a girl wants to play football why does it bother me whatever it is that bothers you i mean i'm just listing Mm -hmm. out examples because we feel things because we grew up seeing something it makes sense that we're uncomfortable with ideas that we've never seen or heard before. Well, and this, it's funny. One of, one of the things I've talked about before, uh, in, in regards to some of this is because there are big differences between male and female in reality. There are like, so your football example, you know, one of the examples I like to use is, um, you know, since I'm a firefighter, we occasionally go on broken hips or like really big people. And whenever you're in those circumstances, it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, you want a strong back like that. That's it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not, um, it's not a matter of prejudice based on an arbitrary definition. It's a raw, literal fact. Like 
yeah. I need you to be strong enough to pick That's, this up. I think the gender conversation could be a whole different conversation in societal application. Mm. Like, how do we structure society based off of this idea of non-binaries? But that being said, I've worked with a lot of guys also that were incapable of performing the job yeah. whenever it's it's needed. So it, it that's not a that's not a gender thing. Yeah. So I think again just for this conversation it's more so just the idea of this is a very relevant topic, gender non-binary. We see that it means that initially thought in society it's like there's these two columns. People today are trying to break down these two columns and basically say I do not have to fit into this box of what you think it means to be female or what you think it means to be male. Now, that's just one. That's one little faction of, mm-hmm. of binaries. Now, again, left versus right, um, educated versus uneducated. Well, and that, was, I mean, that was the line that I really liked that you had. You said, um, I identify as political non-binary. Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell people. What I'm, That's my political stance from now on. I'm non-binary. Right. I don't fall into the left column or the right column. Mm-hmm. And if my choices are these two columns and that's it... Then that's kind of scary. Oh yeah. And so that that is really the reason why I wanted to talk about it today is because I see it just so it's getting stricter and stricter and the boxes are getting more and more constrained. And and I think what's really difficult and I I experienced this a whole lot during the during 2020 with Trump's, you know, Trump's last year whenever you started having all of this Black Lives Matter protests and uh, you know, quota, you know, or riots, you know, you had all these different things, right? And, and the whole time, if you fit into one box or the other, you're going to start advocating for things, right? So during that time, the people on the left were saying, we should have the right to free and open assembly, to free and open demonstration, we should have the right to do whatever, all of this stuff, right? This is our right. And then you had people on the other side who were saying, no, send in the National Guard. Shut this down. They don't have that right. They don't have the right to do to tear stuff up and to do this and that. And the whole time I was saying, guys or people, whoever I was talking to at the time, we need to, we need to start having the perspective of the other side because – you're not going to be your guy, quote unquote, is not going to be in office all the time. So instead of saying, let's give the authorities more authority, we need to be saying, let's give the authorities less authority. So always side with the side of the people. So yes, I don't, I don't agree with your point. I don't agree with what which I'm not saying I don't agree with black guys beyond just <laughs> He's just saying that even if you don't agree with people's point. You got to be on the people's side because the next president or the next president, which is what happened, yeah, right will come now, in and you if you've enforced these things, and now then, the next and, person's going to take it. It up. just takes them that another step up to where now they have more control, more power. They can do whatever they want, and then they can oppress whoever it is. And we are them. <coughs> like I think that that's the the one. Um, <coughs> the they they. I say they, the elites, the media, whatever, they are pushing the narrative that it is black versus white. Yeah. Right? If if I'm going to classify myself, I have to either be, which I'm half Mexican, right? But I either have to be uh, um, 
on the side of the immigrants or on the side of the Americans or on the side of the Mexicans or on the side of the and whites. there is no room for no monster conversation. Right. And, you or hate I, the other person. I'm either, I'm either on the side of black people or I'm against black people or this and that. And, and you're, they're setting up all of these binaries whenever the real binary, if we really want to look at the data, is ultra rich and everybody else. Yeah. That, there is a line, right? There is a... Bought what is it? Bottom seventy percent of America. Oh, I don't know. I I can't remember if it's seventy or eighty, but there is a line where it's like we are the poor and they are the rich. Now, yeah. granted, I don't like using those terms because I don't I don't think that we're poor. You know, well, I don't and whenever think... we say rich, I don't mean that you have like five hundred thousand dollars. I'm talking like you have five billion dollars. Yes, the ultra rich. Yes, not I'm. Hey, go make your money. I'm yeah, cool with that. Yeah. But when you're raping people to get billions, mm-hmm. eh, I'm or not so cool with that. Entire countries. I mean, we we started off the conversation with colonialism. Yeah. And it's like, what do you think Bill Gates and uh, Jeff Bezos are doing other yeah. than like neo colonialism? Yeah, colonizing. Uh, they're just not doing it based off of geography. They're just doing it off of markets. Yeah. But well, and I think yeah. So it gets really, really harmful again to bring it back to why we need to pay attention to binaries. It becomes really, really harmful when you think you know everything about someone based off of one tiny thing. Mm -hmm. So if someone walked up to me and said, do you like Biden? No, I I don't like Biden as president. Oh, my goodness. I must support Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And I must be a crazy conspiracy theorist. And I must be anti this and anti this and anti this. All because I said one sentence. Right. As opposed to saying, no, I am a human being with nuanced thought. And opinions. And I wouldn't have liked either of them. Yeah. Yeah, but you, I, I... It's just pitting people against yes, each other. Yes, And And it's um, completely an intentional thing. They yeah. are intentionally uh, constructing these narratives to oh. control us. Well, and I think that, again, that's why I think the colonization example is so important. Because that's what they intentionally did to colonize. Mm-hmm. I mean, societies like that's what they did. It was not an accident that they handed out these narratives to people. It was very clearly done. I I mean, it was intentional. Oh, yeah. And so and it's interesting because I learned about Derrida, deconstruction and binaries my first semester in grad school. And I thought it was fascinating. I did not quite understand it. About a year later, I took postcolonialism. And, of course, we talked about binaries and that as well. And that is when it clicked. It's like, oh, my gosh, now I see how it's so harmful. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to just discuss, oh, well, I like to wear dresses and I'm a guy. Okay, like, who is being harmed? And I'm not saying, I mean, there is actually harm done in gender binaries. I'm just trying to use an example. There are some examples that seem harmless. Then you can basically like open your lenses like widen the scope and see that there's a actually a lot of harm done with binaries mm-hmm. and they're not they're not just meaningless they're not um just arbitrary trivial little things they run our society they run how we interact with people and what we think and what we see on tv and why and so again i guess we probably need to start wrapping it up Mm-hmm. But that's really what I just want to focus on. Again, I'm not saying go out and burn down buildings because it's all a binary system. But why do you think what you think? Why are you judging someone else for what they think? 
the point, like, how are you thinking about these the things? Point, the point is to uh, reclaim control, right? Like, the, the whole goal, I think the whole goal of this podcast and the whole goal of what our message is, is don't let your, your thoughts be defined by anybody other than yourself, right? Yeah. Like, take, like take uh, control of the internal narrative and a big portion of that, it's, it's almost like how do you read a text, right? You, you have to go into it reading the text now, unless you're Durita, you know, but, um, but you have to like take into account, oh, let's, let's use an article, right? A newspaper article or something. You have to take into account, okay, who's writing it? Why are they writing it? Who's paying them to write it? Uh, what is their information that they're operating off of? Is it reliable? Like there's all of these ways that you have to be critical of the text going into it. Yeah. And now I'm just saying we should apply that to our, even the thoughts that are in our own heads is yeah. like, who planted it there? Why is it there? Is it useful for me to have this there? You know, like, is it, is it harmful or helpful or constructive or deconstructive or what, you know, like if, if we can, if we can get to the point where we can control our emotions, then that gives us more control over the thoughts that we have. And well, then, and leads to more complex dialogues. And I think the ultimate goal is to be more communal, more friendly, mm-hmm. um, to just be kind to each other. And I'm seeing a lot of people being really, really angry to one another. And, and appreciate. Extremely rude. Appreciate each other. Yeah, appreciate. so I think that whenever we can break down how we think about others and why, and maybe give people a chance, if someone says they're anti something or for something that you're not talk to them mm-hmm. you might find common ground with them don't just place them in a box and cut or them off or you might realize man you know what i'm kind of anti that too yeah you i know? mean there's just so much nuance so explore the gray area don't live in black and white right explore the gray area do not live in black and white okay so during that while we were um kind of going through that I decided to look up a Terrence McKenna quote uh, just to wrap up this episode. So this is uh, Terrence McKenna. I don't know. This is it just pulled it up uh, on Goodreads.com. So I don't know what book it's from. But essentially, this is what he says. Terrence McKenna says history is ending because the dominator culture has led the human species into a blind alley. And as the inevitable catastrophe approaches, People look for metaphor and answers. Every time a culture gets into trouble, it casts itself back into the past, looking for the last sane moment it ever knew. And so I like that. Terrence McKenna's a badass. Uh, and so let's let's close with that. You got anything else, babe? Uh, no, I just think that if anyone actually finds this interesting and wants to read more, any of the theorists I mentioned throughout the podcast, go look them up. So on I YouTube. think I think what I'm going to do is do timestamps cool. throughout this episode and actually do little links. Well, so I can just link a bunch of these these names because, as I said, there is a rich history to this conversation. I provided a tiny, tiny glimpse into it. So please and, go and look into it more. I'm sure that this will be a reoccurring topic because it you is can't not talk about. Yeah, it it, it has its veins so. 
stretched into everything that we do. That well, that's what they really say. No like it's of. in anthropology, sociology, philosophy, linguistics. Well, even history. You know, like we started in the intro talking about Columbus and the indigenous people. Like it is our narratives that we were fed in history class were cultivated narratives. They yeah. they wanted you to ascribe the good guy and the bad guy it's and who, evil. who was it. winning and who was losing and who deserved to win and who deserved well, to and win. even yeah i think the idea of winners and losers like throughout history we've learned about winners and losers and right it's just, it's like eh, well and like even even terms like think about how manipulative manifest destiny oh well, you yeah, know like I mean. we we have all of these different things that uh the united which you know granted i do a hundred percent believe that the united states the Constitution, the freedoms that we have uh, been privy to uh, was a huge step forward in the ways of governance and the world. But, however, that does not excuse and pretend like it was a perfect uh, system that didn't oppress and didn't yeah. colonize. And so, again, this comes into two binaries. Right. right. You Just because you dislike his, the history of America and you want to rebuke some of those things— does not mean that you're anti-American and anti all these things. Like, don't put yourself in a box. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And I can I can be multiple things at one time. Yes. And yes. I can want multiple things at one time. Yes. And it's okay uh, to, to be conflicted. Yeah. It, it's okay to come up come up against an issue and be not a hundred percent sure where you stand on that issue. Yeah. Well, and I love it. It was in my undergrad. I had a teacher who told the class, it is okay to change your mind. You may read a text and feel really strongly about it and give your opinion. And you may, may come back next week. And was say, that Dr. Severn? No, it was actually a different one. Oh. Um, Bonnie. Oh. oh, Dr. Roos. Yeah, Dr. Roos. Yeah, and then she said, you may come back next week with new information and have changed your mind. That is what reading does. Mm -hmm. It is okay. Don't feel like you have to support the one are, opinion. Are you talking about that dangerous liberal professor from the liberal institutions which want to control and coerce our yeah. children? Not that professor individually. You're just talking about no, I was, the idea I was being, of colleges being... Well, yeah, I was... I oh, was, I know. I didn't want listeners to think that yeah. like that specific... No, no. Actually, like. it's actually funny because one of the things I was going to say is your professors, your experience with the professors you've had and the teachers you've had has been liberating. Oh, it's so funny because I hear so much about... Call, kids go to college and they become liberals and the whole college is a liberal agenda and higher institution is a scam but every interaction I've had with professors they've all been the smartest people I've met they've all been so kind all but I there's one professor in my undergrad that I would say was actually trying to like push an agenda and she was one I took one class for and that was it none of my English teachers that she was a history teacher but um, all of my English teachers, everyone that I've had has been nothing but great. They don't talk about their personal opinions. And they actually want you to think. They think. want you to think. They don't want you to think what they think. They want you to just think. And they'll say, it's okay if you disagree with me. Let's have conversations. That's the goal. That's the goal. 
All right. On that note, we will close this thing out. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, like, subscribe, and share as the as the kids say this these days. And um, until smash that like button. Smash that like. Boom, boom, boom. Smash that like button. I don't know what that was, but okay. That was my. That was this, them smashing it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> appreciate y'all, and thank y'all for listening. And until next time, peace.